When the day of Pentecost had come, the disciples were all together in one place. And suddenly, there was a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the whole place where they were sitting. Tongues of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability. Now there were holy men, good Jews, from every country under heaven in Jerusalem. And when they heard this sound, they gathered and were bewildered because they heard them speaking each in their own native language. Amazed and astonished, they said, Are not all these Galileans? How is it that we hear each in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them telling of God's deeds of power. Amazed and perplexed, they said to each other, what does this mean? But some of them sneered and said, they're full of new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, listen to what I have to say. Indeed, these men are not drunk, as you suppose, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In those last days, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my slaves, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. There will be signs in the heavens and portents on the earth, blood, fire, and smoky mist. The sun will turn to darkness, and the moon to blood on the great and glorious day of the Lord. And then all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I have never started a sermon with a commentary on a Twitter post before. But this was a weird week. 
amid all of the legitimate concerns that we faced as a nation and as a world over the past several days, nothing seemed to capture our attention more than Laurel versus Yanny. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, congratulations. You are all the better for it. But for the rest of us, you know that this all started from an audio clip that went viral on social media in which a computer-generated voice was uttering a single word over and over again. And people came to very different conclusions as to what that word was. Some people heard the word Laurel. Other people heard the word Yanny. My household was divided as I suspect some of yours were as well. Our church office was divided. Our nation, the whole social media world was divided over this. Those who study the science and engineering of hearing, people called audiologists, were quick to point out the science behind this, that the word that you heard depended on the particular band of frequency that your ears are attuned to. Without a shadow of a doubt, this has to be the coolest and hippest that audiologists have ever felt <laughs> in the history of audiology. Now, I'm not going to wade into the debate myself. Pastors, after all, are supposed to rise above such partisan kinds of bickering. All I will say is I will pray for all of you Yanny people. <laughs> But the connections to Pentecost are too compelling to pass up. For those of us who heard Laurel, it was unfathomable how someone could hear Yanny and vice versa. And apparently there were some freaks of nature who could hear both at the same time. And then there were some who could hear neither. Some people heard Janny, or Lanny, or Jenny, or Jerry, or... <laughs> the very idea that different people could come to two very different conclusions about the same objective experience was unsettling to us. It was bewildering. You might even say disorienting. Like the parable of the blind people who each are describing a different part of the elephant. Same elephant, just different experiences. Or like those optical illusions in which two different people can look at the same image and come to two very different conclusions about what that image is. Or how two different parts of the electorate in this country could observe the same news event in two different ways through two different cable news channels. Or how two equally faithful followers of Jesus could come to two very different conclusions about definitions of holiness and justice and compassion. In those moments, in those contemporary Laurel versus Janney moments, everything we assumed about our ability to stake a claim on, on truth is not only challenged, it's disoriented. And what do we do about that? It's perfect timing for Pentecost. For some of you, you know that the 
set up for Pentecost is the assembly of a, a whole wide different group of people from all over the world. Different camps, different boxes, different ethnic categories, all assembled in one place. Elamites and then Persians and Midianites and, and Laurelites and Yaniites and all sorts of different people all in one place, each seeing reality in their own way. You just heard Flossie's story tell it. Not only, not only did they see tongues of flame, not only did they hear the wind, but they, they heard a cacophony of voices. Not just, not just any voices, but in an instant, people were able to, to speak in the native tongue of other people. They were able to step outside the box of their own reality and assume the perspective, the culture, even the native tongue of someone who was very different from them. For an instant, the boxes were dissolved, the walls came down, and all of these debates were dissolved. And what did the people say? They said, what does this mean? Which is an ancient Near Eastern way of saying, this is disorienting. What is happening here? When commencement happens, when the Spirit breaks in, when there's a new reality that settles in for all people, it's disorienting. Now, truth be told, sometimes that disorientation, this, that disorientation is a happy thing. Sometimes it's something to celebrate. In fact, we are celebrating disorientation all morning. Just ask those dozens, those nearly hundred graduates that we have named in our bulletin insert, the dozens of students who are here this morning. We all remember how disorienting graduating from high school was and how good that was in the long run. We all know that from here on out, you high schoolers are going to venture out into a newfound experience of independence to struggle for your own clarity and your own core values to orient yourself not just toward a career, but toward a personal calling and how you're going to figure out how to make a difference in the world. This is all going to be disorienting in a good way, which is why we celebrate it with you. Just ask the seven families who are coming forward this throughout the morning to have their children baptized. From, from here on out, their lives are changed forever. The addition of a child into a family is disorienting. Everything changes from your finances and your budget to your lifestyle, to your assumed routines, to your priorities. Everything changes in a good way. And so we celebrate that with you. Just ask all the people who are joining the church throughout the day. The nearly 20 people who have gone through our six-week new member class. And as I heard their stories this past week, I have to tell you, many of them, if not most of them, feel disoriented in a good way. Because something is compelling them to not only say yes to this church, but to say yes to Jesus. Some of them have never joined a church before, but they are joining this one today. And all of them are feeling the call to say yes to Jesus and disorient their lives toward the way and will of God. To, to offer God the fullness of their time and their talent and their treasure. And that disorientation is something we celebrate today. These are all big moments. But these are big moments that bring disorientation. But you and I well know 
that more often, disorientation is painful, especially when it comes to deeply held camps, tribes that we align ourselves with, that we, that we protect ourselves from other outside threats. Just, just consider this nation in the wake of another shooting in another high school in this country. And we ask ourselves, how much longer will this unfathomable insanity continue where we see all of these senseless shootings of these young, innocent, potential-filled children who will never get to see a day like today? I remember marching with the March for Our Lives with my two daughters, and the most compelling chant that they yelled was, two, four, six, eight, we just want to graduate. Yet how quickly, after these shootings, do we go back to our camps, entrench ourselves in those either-or boxes where we feel like this debate is a binary one, which means that we continue to spin our wheels as a country without yet having enacted any kind of potentially transformative legislation to not only stem gun violence, but all of the other sources of mass shootings in this country. And so, on this day of Pentecost, we ask the Spirit again to come down and disorient us in a painful way, but in a good way. Just ask our nation in the wake of Charlottesville, and every instance of hate crimes and racial violence that has occurred since. We remember we still live in a country that is far too tribal in our mentality and when our default mode continues to be for like people to attract like. So the spirit of Pentecost comes to us today to break us out of those either-or boxes and disorient us again in a painful way, but a good way. Consider a planet that is hemorrhaging from environmental malpractice in which somehow we have allowed the stewardship of God's creation to be turned into a binary debate, an either-or debate between pro-business or pro-earth. How did it come to be that way? And so the spirit of Pentecost comes down to break us out of those binary boxes and orient us toward a new possibility, a new understanding, where, as Bishop Michael Curry said yesterday in that wedding, where the earth could become a sanctuary again. Consider the widening gap between rich and poor in the world, in which the debate, the ongoing debate on how to close that gap is being defined once again by either-or boxes, camps and tribes that have their version of the solution without listening to any others. Binary boxes of big versus small government between giving a man a fish on the one hand or teaching a man to fish on the other, between disparaging the poor and accusing them of being lazy or disparaging the rich and accusing them of being selfish. Those are easy boxes. But the spirit of Pentecost won't let us live there. The spirit of Pentecost comes to disorient us, break us out of those tribal ways of thinking and invite a new reality where God's love 
leads us along the way. Consider the tribalism that exists among religions in the world, even denominations in our country. How is it possible? How is it possible that, that Israelis and Palestinians who've been responsible for provoking bloodshed even this past week, how is it that they could both be descendants of Abraham and children of God? If, if you look at it at a macro level, it is unfathomable. It is, it is almost in, as insane to think about as the Yanni versus Laurel debate. Both children of the same God. How is it that there could still be such rampant and violent Islamophobia in this country at the hands of certain Christians? How can there be disparaging of progressive Christians as being heretical or evangelical Christians for being weak-minded? And so the spirit of Pentecost comes down to disorient us, break us out of those boxes, and help us to see reality in a different way. And since I'm on a roll, why don't I talk about LGBTQ stuff too? Consider this denomination's current debate on LGBTQ inclusion. With the United Methodist Church headed toward a special gathering in St. Louis next spring, churches are watching and waiting to see what this denomination will do and say regarding its traditional stance on gay marriage and gay ordination whether it will stick to that language and its general practice or invite more freedom for churches and regions to align their practices and understandings based on the communities that they serve and their missional contexts. Disorienting the old boxes is painful, but necessary for the spirit of Pentecost is at work. In other words, over and over again, Pentecost is happening in many different ways, in many different kinds of people all over the world, and people are asking the same questions as the people of the first Pentecost. What does this mean? What does it mean to see all of our old tribes that define us suddenly dissolve? What does it mean for all of these walls that we have used to distinguish ourselves from other people to come down? What does it mean for that dogma that rigid dogma that we use to define ourselves suddenly being challenged by other possibilities. What does it mean for our boxes of assumptions to be blown apart and the walls that divide us suddenly come down? Three weeks ago, your program staff at this church attended the Large Church Initiative, a three-day leadership conference in San Diego. Part of the experience involved a few of us going down to the border between San Diego and Tijuana, Mexico. As you might imagine, that border is heavily patrolled, defined by two very large and imposing walls separating the two countries and separating countless families from loved ones whom they have not seen for decades. One of the most powerful moments on that trip for many of us was to be given the privilege of standing right up against that wall in a particular section of wall that was porous, made of a tight metal mesh such that you could barely 
get your fingertips through to the other side. We were there, church leaders from across the country, gathering to pray and, and ask God for new understanding and creative solutions for solving our border issues. And on the other side of that tight metal mesh was a crowd of Mexican people, families, strangers, all of them peering through the mesh with eyes of longing and hope in their eyes. They were able to get their fingertips through, and, and we were too. And just for a few moments, we were able to make skin-to-skin -skin contact through that wall. A pastor named Reverend John Fenestill serves a church called the Border Church in San Diego. It's been his life project every single Sunday afternoon to do a worship service right there at the border. He has secured special permission with government officials for him and his congregation to go to that border every Sunday afternoon. And there we were. The Reverend and his Mexican counterpart every Sunday put together a joint service between a U.S. congregation and a Mexican one just on the other side. For 30 minutes every Sunday, they pray, they sing, they touch fingertips through the fence. He and his Mexican priest counterpart each have communion elements that they consecrate together at the nearest official checkpoint. They consecrate those elements, then they break it, and then they go to the respective parts of that fence. And when the time comes in the service, just as we experienced in San Diego, both congregations share in the same bread and in the same cup. And just for a moment, that dividing wall breaks down and gives way to the, to the table of the Lord and to the disorienting work of the spirit of Pentecost. Next month, we are offering a chance for you to help this denomination break down the walls of a different kind in its current divide over LGBTQ inclusion. The bishop of this annual conference, Ken Carter, has asked every congregation, including Hyde Park United Methodist, to have healthy and honest conversations among its members about the various perspectives that we have on this topic. And it has asked every congregation to follow a standard curriculum that's been developed for every church in this state. It is called Point of View, or POV. And we're inviting you to be a part of it. It's designed to have those of us with different opinions on LGBTQ inclusion to come together. And I want to stress what POV is not about. It is not about you trying to convince another person to agree with your perspective. It is not about all of us coming to the same conclusion at the end. It is most certainly not about this church putting this topic up for a vote at the end of this experience. But it is about doing the much harder work of listening to each other's perspectives and pains in a conversation 
that fosters empathy and understanding and healthy dialogue. In other words, it's designed to be disorienting in a painful way, but in a good way, for the spirit of Pentecost will be at work. You'll hear more about this in my midweek message this upcoming week, but for now, I invite you to mark your calendars and plan on attending, either by yourselves or with your small group, at all three 90-minute sessions on Wednesday nights from 6.30 to 8 at the Portico campus on June 13, 20, and 27. And better yet, I invite you to secure your spot for the limited seating now. You can either go on the website, hydeparkumc.org slash POV, or in the courtyard at the Welcome Center, Nikki Taylor, our director of adult small groups, can take your name and secure your spot. Why? Because you can be a part of Pentecost. You can be part of fostering new understanding and deeper connection and non-binary thinking in this congregation in the full spirit of two of our core values of being warm-hearted, which means open to a diversity of people, and open-minded, which means open to a diversity of perspectives. I wonder, what box is the Holy Spirit calling you to break down today? What walls of prejudice and preconceived notions is the Spirit calling you to dissolve? What walls? What, what boxes? What long-held convictions that might need to be revisited? Maybe it's long-standing relationship battles that have not yet healed. Maybe it's your clinging to your version of truth about Laurel when other people hear Yanny. I don't know. All I know is that the Spirit is calling you, just like whoever's phone is going off right now. The <laughs> God is calling you to pick it up. And say yes to God's word. You know, it'd be embarrassing as if it's my phone. No. Want to know how the story ends? At the end of Acts 2, this is how the story ends. After the people were disoriented, this is, this is how they wind up. Quote, all the believers were together. And they had everything in common. That is the spirit at work. And that is what God wants to do in and through you. Let us pray. And so, God, we celebrate and hear your challenge. We thank you for the ongoing disorienting work of your spirit, which calls us to align ourselves with your will and way, even if that's painful. We celebrate the baptism families, the graduating seniors, all of those joining the church and professing faith in you, and we hear your call to be a different kind of community where love leads the way and breaks us out of the old and ushers us into the new. We ask your blessing upon this difficult work. Come down again, Holy Spirit. Reign upon us and set us free. 
In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray and let all God's people say, Amen.